Thanks, Deanna, for that song. That song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, it's about faith. Faith is not about standing on your own two feet. Faith is about trusting in someone else other than yourself, someone greater than yourself. And faith is one of those mysterious things that we have to talk about to understand better. We have to study. I think, I think the best thing to do is to study someone who we believe who is very, very faithful in this life. So if you have your Bible, turn to Job chapter 13, find verse 13. This is in the middle. I'm going to talk about a text that's right in the middle of two conversations. Job is having a conversation with a friend, but he's also talking to God as well. So it's kind of a, a confluence of these three beings, Job, his friend, and God talking. Now, obviously, Job is the only one who's talking, as Zophar's talked earlier, and uh, I'll share some of that later. Job 13, verse 13, he, Job says, he says, Keep silent and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my own hand? Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. For no godless man would dare come before him, meaning God. Shall we pray? Father, I just would ask that you would give us all great faith. A faith and trust in you. A faith that believes that your son died for each and every one of us. For the world, even, Father. That his death was sufficient for our salvation. It was enough to cleanse us of our sins. It was enough to wash us white as snow. It was enough to make us freely available to come to you. I thank you, Father, for faith. I thank you, Father, for your son. Thank you for my own salvation. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of sharing salvation with others around me. And I pray that this morning that maybe someone here today needs their faith to be strengthened, or maybe someone here needs to come into the faith, faith in Christ, and you brought us all here to see that. Lord, if you don't work in our hearts and lives, if you don't work, we won't have any hope, but we know that you do. We know that you love us, and we know that your son is the sign of your love, that he would come into this world and die for us. And yet, even today, today he would still reach out and save someone and give them safe, saving faith. Father, as I, just as I speak on this message this morning, Father, I want to acknowledge I am not a perfect man in this area. I'm trying to grow in my faith. I'm trying to strengthen my own faith. And so I just pray today as I do that, that I will help others around me to be stronger in their faith as well. But all of it is from you, and we need you to move and work in our lives. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Faith is a vague form today. Faith is a very vague form for people today. Many people in our culture today don't understand faith. They think of faith as a desperate type of uh, just a backup plan. Many people who don't go to church or don't have a relationship with God, don't know God, don't understand how faith works, what it means, and what it's really supposed to do, and how we're supposed to exercise, grow in our faith, how we're supposed to stand and live in our faith. For many people, like I said, faith sounds like a desperate cry for for help, a backup plan, a fire insurance plan, maybe. So I think as Christians, you and I, we need to learn how to better explain what faith really is. And we, to do that, we need a biblical perspective. Because faith, true faith within God comes from the biblical teaching. Many of us probably know someone in our life, maybe a parent or a grandparent or somebody, who really personifies faith for you. Is that true? Do you know somebody who is just a really rock-solid, faithful person in Christ, right? Amen? Somebody? Yeah? 
Most of us know somebody or knew somebody who personifies faith, a real-life person who, who just never seemed to weaken in their faith, no matter what happens. They're really special people, aren't they? They are to me. We learn more about those people like, like that who live by their faith no matter what happens to them. We learn more by them than we do by trial and error, I think, at times. For me, Job is the greatest personification of faith that I've ever, ever come across. He's often referred to as having great patience, right? The patience of who? Of Job. Yeah, the patience of Job. But patience and faith are not the same things. They're radically different. Patience is the ability to endure, to accept difficulties and troubles in life and remain unchanged by them. Faith is something altogether different than patience. Faith is active. It's not waiting. It's actively already working. Faith is a belief in and a, and a confident commitment in something or someone greater than yourself. Christians have our faith in who? Christians have our faith in who? In Jesus Christ, in God. That's right. We trust in this creator that we worship who made everything around us. We trust in the Savior who died for us, shed his blood for us. We have our faith in him. Faith is really what Job should be known for, not patience. Job is the one person in the Bible that I've seen who was violently attacked by Satan and came out of it with his faith unshakable, undeniable, and incredible. Would you agree with that? Yeah. The only other person that I see in the Bible who's attacked by Satan is Jesus. And Jesus blew him off like he was nothing, you know. Job had to go through an awful lot, and yet he came out of that strong in his faith. His faith really was unshakable. It was undeniable. And it is incredible. And it's something that we need to learn to cultivate as well. I like what the Bible says in the Old Testament a lot. I love the Old Testament. I love the New. But the Old Testament has a lot of great things that really point us to God. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says, See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Will live by his faith. I'm sorry, my mic keeps cutting out. Apologize for that. At some point, friends, at some point, listen, at some point, your faith is going to be attacked. It's going to be attacked. It's just the way the world is. It's just what Satan does. He wants to attack your faith. But you don't have to give up. And I encourage you, don't give up. Yeah. You can have faith like Job. Have you ever thought about that? That you can have a faith like Job. Habakkuk said that the arrogant person only trusts in himself. And isn't that true? Arrogant people tend to only rely and trust only in themselves, but a righteous person trusts in God. The Bible teaches the only way to be righteous is to have your faith in God and in Jesus Christ. And that's the only way our faith can truly become unshakable, undeniable, and incredible. It's the only way is by trusting in God. There's nothing else that you can put your faith in except for God. No one. There's no one else. There's nothing else. If you have your outline ready, point number one, unshakable faith in God accepts what comes. Un unshakable faith in God accepts what the world or Satan or whatever throws at you because you know that God's with you. You know that God's going to take care of you. You know that God's going to look out for you. To me, Job is a hero. He's a hero. He's one of those people that, that I look to in the Bible. and he's, I, read the, I read the book about his life. And he is a hero to me. Why his name is not mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 is a puzzle to me. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of the faithful. In there are people like Noah and Moses and Abraham and many, many others. 
All faithful people. Why Job is in there, I don't understand that, but it's the Hall of Fame of the Faithful. In verse 13, Job begins to talk to his friend Zophar. Zophar had been lecturing Job. Do you like it when people lecture you? I don't. But Zophar had been lecturing Job about his faith in God. Isn't that something? Zophar had been telling him, you know, you just got to have faith, as if he didn't have faith. And if he had faith in God, God would help him with his problems. Zophar told Job, just put away your sin. Get rid of your sin. Confess and repent of your sin. God will make everything right. In Job chapter 11, verse 17, Zophar said this. If Job did that, if he would get away, if he would get rid of his sin, if he would trust and have his faith in God, he said, life will be brighter than the noonday. And darkness will become like morning. You'll be secure because there is hope. Well, that sounds so good, doesn't it? If you do this, God will do that. That sounds so good, so perfect, so encouraging. It sounds all kind of like what? Like milkshakes and birthday parties and all those kind of things, right? But Job had already done all those things. He had already done it. He had already gotten rid of his sin. Or he tried to. He was, he was dealing with it. He'd already had his faith in God. He'd done those things. He was struggling with his faith because he had, one, some terrible problems. You want to know what terrible problems are? Lose your children. That's a pretty terrible problem. Get a disease that totally just wipes you out completely. That's a pretty terrible problem. Lose all your possessions, go instantly poor. That's a pretty terrible problem. And two, he always had trusted in God. Didn't matter what happened in his life. He already had trusted in God and he was trusting God. Job chapter 1, verse 21. Job said this The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So, what's Zophar doing here? He's simply lecturing Job about something that he knows nothing about. Our culture loves to do that today. Our culture wants to define what a Christian is. Doesn't know a thing about the Bible, doesn't know a thing about God, doesn't know a thing about Jesus except it's a curse word, and yet the culture wants to say, you Christians ought to behave this way. It's amazing to me. Now, Job was not unshakably patient, was he? No, if you read his story, you'll find he wasn't unshakably patient. He was unshakably faithful. Now, this doesn't mean that Job didn't wonder what God was doing in the midst of his suffering. He knew God saw what he was going through, and and, and it seemed at times that God wasn't doing anything. It didn't mean that Job didn't question God, because he certainly did. Go read his book, and you'll see he questioned God again and again and again. To be unsure that Job didn't let Satan or life's difficulties steal his faith. Didn't let Satan or life's difficulties destroy his relationship with God. which That was Satan's ultimate goal was to destroy this link that he had with God. Satan and the world will try to do this to you and I. Satan will try to do this to us as well. When life's tragedies and difficulties happen, you can waste energy, you can waste time questioning God, or you can simply stand in your relationship with God. The one that hopefully you've already started, and if you haven't, you need to start today. And if you'll do that, if you'll stand in your faith in God, guess what? You'll find your strength, your faith strengthened more and more and more. The, the closer you get to God, the stronger your faith will be. The more you trust in Him, the more He'll prove Himself trustworthy to you. Listen to something that Paul said. He described a time when he was a prisoner in Rome. 
to a young preacher just starting out named Timothy. He had nobody with him. Paul, Paul had to go and stand before the royal. He had no one with him, no one on his side. No one except for who? Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul writes, he says, At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Have you ever felt that way? That in this life, everybody had deserted you? That there was simply nobody, really, who could help or would come along and try to help? Listen to what he says, though. May it not be held against them. He wasn't bitter that they abandoned him. He wasn't bitter or mad at them. Because he says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Yeah. Paul went before Caesar, before the court of Caesar himself, and had to defend himself as a Christian. Have you ever had to do that? I never have. I've never had to stand before a judge and defend my own faith. But Paul did. That happened a lot in Paul's day. Paul didn't have anyone by his side. He did not have Silas, who was one of his close friends. He didn't have Peter. He didn't have Timothy. He didn't have anybody. He just had God. But Paul's faith was unshakable. There's probably going to be something sometime in your life that's going to try to shake your faith in God. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. Because it'll come against you. And the more you resist, the more it's going to come against you. And the, so that means you have to get closer and closer to God. And He'll strengthen your faith. The time to get ready for life's difficulties and life's troubles and struggles on your faith is before they come. It's like practicing for the Super Bowl. Can you believe those two teams are practicing for the Super Bowl right now to play next weekend? They are. They're getting ready. They're not just sitting around and and say, well, you know, it's just it's the last game. It's the only game we've got to play. And, and however we do, we'll do. No, they're out there getting ready. They're out there getting ready for, for the other team to come against them. Time to get ready for attacks on your spiritual life are right now, today. Not when they come. So that when they do come, and friends, they will, you'll be ready. You'll have Jesus by your side because you're in God. And you'll be able to accept whatever comes against you because God will be taking care of you. God will be giving you the way. He'll be pointing the way out of whatever it is you're going through. Unshakable faith. Don't you want to have that? Amen. Amen. Unshakable faith in God will help you accept whatever comes. And number two, undeniable faith in God takes risks. Look at verse 14 with me. Why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his faith. Here's Job, incredibly ill. Been ill for a long time. He's so ill, his friends don't even want to come near him because they're so heartbroken over how bad off he is. And here he's saying, hey, you know, I will hope in him. Job is saying, hey, I'm all in on this. I'm all in. I have no other choice but this. I'm all in no matter what the cost. Even though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. He's saying, God, if you kill me, I don't care. I'm still hoping in you. My faith is in you. It's undeniable. This is the attitude of the first Christians, of the early Christians in the first and second, third centuries. They basically said the same thing. They said, if my faith in Christ costs me everything, even my very life, I'll never give up. My faith will be undeniable. And they went into the Colosseums and they went into the arenas 
and they were killed by lions and bears and other people in some of the most terrible ways. They were burned alive. They were torn apart. All because they were believers in Jesus Christ. And they would not deny their faith. I'm not sure the church understands that today. I'm not sure the church gets it. We're too Americanized. We've been inoculated against risk. We don't like risk in America today. We want somebody to take care of the risk so that we don't have to. Risk for some people is a disease that destroys their faith. And yet Christians, we're called to be people of risk. A hundred years ago, Oswald Chambers wrote this. He said, my kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. He quoted Jesus, saying that his kingdom is not of this world. And then he says, and yet we are more inclined to take our orders from the world than from Jesus Christ himself. A hundred years later, it's so true again here in America. We're more apt to be led by the culture and what's going on around us than we are our own Savior. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize, Christians, we're called to greatness? Did you know that? We are. We're called to be a great people, not passive or comfortable. We're called to be the people of God. That means something. It does to me. I hope it does to you. We're called to be the church, the body of Christ. We're called to be a light in a dark world, salt in a decaying world. We're not supposed to hide our lamp of faith. We're supposed to let it shine in the darkness around us. What is that worth to you? What are you willing to risk? Jesus said it better be worth everything. In Matthew 19, verse 29, Jesus said this, Everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake, for Christ's sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. You see, the Christian faith is worth everything. It's worth every struggle we go through. It's worth every broken relationship who simply won't Except Christ in our life anyway, if not theirs. And that happens all the time. Jesus gave us a challenge, a great challenge. What are we willing to lose in order to gain everything? Have you thought of it that way? What are you willing to lose? What are you willing to give up in order to gain everything? By gaining Jesus, you also gain eternal life of God. Faith in Jesus Christ is gaining by losing. I can't count the number of people that were no longer my friends when I became a follower in Christ. Because I didn't want to do the things they were doing. I decided I, I needed to draw a line in my own life. And I felt that God had told me this is what I needed to do. I lost several friends. I lost a lot of friends. Because they wanted to keep on doing things we'd been doing. And I was no longer doing those. We're not called to be sunshine Christians. It's not sunshine Christianity. It's 24-7 Christianity. We're not called to the easy way all the time. Sometimes it'll be easy. I get that. Too many Christians today think being a Christian means never taking the hard path, never making hard choices, or, or giving sacrifices. Too many Christians don't realize, don't understand, don't know they've been called to an undeniable faith in God. And that means taking risks. Why our culture is not changing? Because the church is not taking the risk of being the light of Christ. That's why. That's just the way it is. It also means living by incredible faith. See, when you take risks, you've got to have incredible faith, right? It's true. When you take risks for, for God, you better have incredible faith that God's going to be on your side. Look at point number three. Incredible faith in God is always hopeful. It's always hopeful. It enables us to, have, to take those risks we need to take for God. 
Look at verse 16. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, Job says. Job says, my faith will lead me to my deliverance. There's a great truth in this statement, by the way, at the beginning of verse 16. How can we experience deliverance without being attacked? Without being threatened? How can you be delivered and not be attacked or, or, or be threatened? You can't. To be delivered or to be rescued is to be saved from something real. It's to be saved from something that's coming against us, some threat, some difficulty. Think about this. In a day, in a day, Job's wealth was completely taken away. All he had earned, all he had set aside for his family and himself, everything he had built up, all of it was lost in a day. In a day, he lost all of his children, all of them. In a day. In a moment, he was struck down with a debilitating disease, excuse me, that shocked his friends and devastated him personally. In a moment, all these ha things happened quickly to him. And it was all gone. It was just him and his wife and maybe a few servants. But nothing, nothing could take away his faith in God. He refused to give up his hope. He had incredible faith in God. It didn't matter what the world did. It didn't matter that Satan was attacking him. He had incredible faith in God. Now, he doubted his own ability to persevere, and that's normal. When something really bad comes against us, we weaken. But faith strengthens us. God strengthens us. So he doubted his own ability to persevere, and obviously he questioned God, and that's normal too. People ask me, do you think it's okay to get mad at God? I said, well, I think God understands when we do. I'm not going to say it's okay, but I think he understands when we do get mad at God because we don't like what happened to us, or we're hurt, or we're discouraged. God understands these things. That happened to Job, every bit of it, but he always had faith. It was, in, it was his faith in God that gave him hope. And his hope was not foolish. Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, I love the, this verse. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. I have never seen heaven. I've seen the heavens. I've never seen heaven. God has never given me a vision of what heaven is other than what the Bible says. So I've never physically seen heaven, but my hope is in it. I believe in heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ is going to save me into heaven. He's going to save me out of hell. Because I'll tell you, that's where I was going once. I was duty-bound on my way. And I wasn't even struggling. I was just walking. I was running to hell. Isn't that something? And yet, he saved me. But I've never seen it, but I hope in it. My faith is sure. Man. Even though Job is not mentioned in Hebrews 11, verse 2, as one of the ancients, he most certainly must be one of them, in my mind. He has to be one of them who's being recommended, who's being commended for his faith in God. There's another truth here in verse 16. Look at it, the end. For no godless man would dare come before him, meaning God. No one godless would go before God. Now we know on Judgment Day, everybody goes before God. So what's he talking about? He's saying the godless people don't care about God. They're not going to go to God. They're not going to go uh, to seek God. They're going to try to figure it out on their own. The godless rarely seek God. But when they do, like I did, God always responds. See, there's that little grain of hope that's always there available. Maybe you think you've messed up your, soul life, your life so much that God can't do anything to help you. You've lost all hope even in yourself. And yet God says, no, 
If you'll come to me, even though you're godless, even though you're unrighteous, even though you're a sinner, God says, I'll take care of all that for you. But you've got to come to me, to God. The godless rarely see God, but when God, but when they do, God will always receive them. He always responds to them. Psalm 9, verse 9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you, even the godless. Yeah. God never rejects people if we come to him, simply as we are, and turn to him in trust. So how can a godless person become godly enough to go be with God? How can we, who are unholy, dare go to God, who is completely and utterly and completely holy? How do we do that? Only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. The world says, no, you can earn your way, you can pay your way, you can save your way. No, no. The only way to become godly and righteous, the only way to know God, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Number four, faith in Jesus leads to life with God. And I love this part of my outline this morning because I've seen God work in my life. I've seen it happen. I've seen it come real. I said earlier that to be delivered means to be delivered means we're rescued from something real, some threat, some difficulty. Did you know that we can even be delivered from something we never experience, we'll never see, we'll never ever have come against us? That's what Jesus does for us. He saves us. He delivers us from an eternity of life in hell. Think about that. He saves us from something we'll never know, never experience. I know people like to say, well, Gary, this life is hell. It can be kind of like hell, but it's not hell. Trust me. Read the Bible about hell. It's not hell. Your life might be pretty bad right now, but guess what? Hell is a whole lot worse. But you can be saved from it. It's a promise of the Christian faith. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to be delivered from an eternity separated from God, from being cast into hell instead of being welcomed into heaven. Doesn't that sound better? To be welcomed into heaven instead of being cast into hell? Yeah. 2 Timothy 4.18 The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says something there, present tense. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. That's right now. The Lord will rescue us from every evil attack right now. And he will in the future bring us safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's why to him we give glory forever and ever. Your faith in Christ means that God will be with you right now. In this life. Not just the next life, but in this life now. A Christian doesn't wait till the next life to know and experience God. We can know and experience life now. We know and experience God from the moment we put our faith and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. And that relationship, that knowledge begins to grow more and more and more. Uh, I, I didn't know very much about God when I first began. I kind of believe that a lot of us don't when we start out. It's all new. It's all different. It's, it's not what we thought it was or what we were told it was. It's something radically different. So if you'll put your faith in his son, God will come into your life right now. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds great to me. Amen. 
Amen. Our invitation song today is I've decided to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is a decision you have to make. And here's the thing, you're expected to make it publicly. You're not expected to hide it. You're not expected to just, just, oh, well, I believe. That's not enough. You have to be willing to be public. You have to take that risk and make it public. So I have decided to follow Jesus. If you haven't done that, I'd love to help you do that today. Maybe you have. I hope God strengthened you right now. Let's stand and get ready to see. Father, we thank you.